welcome to Wealth Well Done. Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra-wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast. It is my extreme pleasure to introduce to you Cal Rickner. Cal Rickner is the founding pastor of the Northwoods Community Church in Peoria, Illinois. He was the senior pastor there for 32 years. Yep, 32 years. 32. And uh, just recently went through a transition and has has stepped into the next season of life. We're going to get into that, but Cal has been my pastor. It has been such a an honor. I have grown so much through you, and I am so pleased to have you on with us today. Thank you, buddy. Looking so, forward to it. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as as always, we, we we go over the tactical, practical, and spiritual mm-hmm. advice to help people do their wealth well done. Um, this first thing that we're going to do with you is in the tactical, or excuse me, this one is in the spiritual side of things. We got okay. a, we're going to do a two part series. So the next one we're going to do is going to get tactical as we go into succession planning. How you? Yeah, yeah. You actually did succession planning well because most people really struggle with that. So before we do that, though, we're going to get after the spiritual thing of this, the spiritual heart behind money. And as we had alluded to, I think in episode three, I, I've talked about how you know we've got the I call it the tactical, practical, and then spiritual. Yes. But quite honestly, spiritual absolutely belongs there first because, and like you were just saying, everything's if it if it's the spiritual side of this is right, then everything else can flow yes. out of that. So. So we, we've got it backwards a little bit there just for the sake of helping people maybe establish a little bit of credibility, um, but mm-hmm. we're going to get right after the heart of it today. So um, so with, with that, I want to start with, um, you, know, you You have, I guess, I, I have put you on a pedestal in, in a way because you were able to found a mega church, run it for 32 years, didn't have the moral failure that has plagued so many people. You have, um, you're a phenomenal leader. You have had such humility while also you know striving to to pursue the gospel striving to let jesus do your work and or his work in your life and you have been an excellent role model for all of us that have got Thank to you. got to see you and now and now peoria doesn't just get to hold you to ourselves you have been uh, you've been cast across the world now as you go and leave tours all over israel you're you're you know, preaching all over the country now. And so I'm excited to continue to let more people hear your, your message. So today we want to go after stewardship. Yeah. And it was a, um, it was a while back, maybe a year and a half, two years ago that you did a sermon on, on settling the issue of, of ownership mm. and the spirit of mammon. So I want to let you maybe kind of tee that up here. Can you go over just a little bit of what it means to settle the issue of ownership? Yeah, I, I'm fond of saying I'm, it's not uh, unique to me, but I, I, I forget where I got the line that God's will is God's bill. Mm. And that has stayed with me, uh, has played out in my life that if I've surrendered my life to him, he's the owner of everything. And when he tells me to do something, asks me to do something that requires there's very little that doesn't require some finances. It's kind of like Zig Ziglar said, money isn't everything, but it is reasonably close to oxygen, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
So when the Lord said to me, called me to preach the gospel when I was 17, I'm from a family of 10. My mom and dad don't make much money at all. If we're going to go to college, it's totally on us. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing except a little job that helps keep gas in my car, buys my basketball shoes. How am I going to go to college? How am I going to pay for it? Yeah. God's will is God's bill. I keep doing everything I know to do. But if he's the owner, my job is just to put one foot in front of the other and following him and then watch him supply. And it was in the, back in my day, mid-70s, it was in the, the $10, the $25, the $50 uh, challenges that I learned that God, if he's the owner, follow him, do what he asks. Whether that's giving, whether that's the challenge he's asking you to spend on right now, go to college, whatever. I need I needed seven dollars and fifty cents to send in my SAT scores to three schools that I was looking at. I didn't have an additional seven fifty while I was sitting there at the table. That'd be like today, you know, like fifty dollars just coming up out of my pocket. Yep. God, I don't even have the money to send my SAT scores in, let alone go to Bible college. And uh, that was on a Saturday. Monday, a a guidance counselor from the school came to me. He had asked me and two other guys that were part of this psychology class. We were invited by Bowling Green State University to come and share about this new concept in almost like student-led counsel. Okay. And I was one of those that he asked to come and share about what this concept was and this type of thing. But anyway, on Monday, we're walking the hall. I know I have a $7.50 need but God's will is God's bill. Like, again, I'm not being wasteful. I'm not, I'm not taking what belongs to him. Not don't stop being generous. Don't stop. We're going to talk about the tithe. Don't stop doing those things. Right. But if God's asking you to do something, it's on him to provide. I've got the $7 50 cent need. And Monday, the guidance counselor that I had just been with the Bowling Green, Bowling Green State University came to me and said, Cal, um, I didn't know they were going to pay us to come but they paid us $30. And the only thing I thought would be fair is for us to split it four ways. <laughs> I can do the math. I did the math. Yeah. 30 divided by four. I, I sent in my SATs. Hmm. Next thing was the, the $25 registration to Fort Wayne Bible college. When I made the decision, I didn't have $25. Lord, how do I, how do I, and so late track meet one night, there's a guy standing by my car about nine o'clock that night. I could see a shadow by my car. I got up there, introduced himself, Jeff Ling. I'm kind of the, 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 uh, the entrance guy, or I'm, I'm like the dean of, of entrance or something for Fort Wayne Bible College, connecting with prospective students and this type of thing. I was just here to ask whether you'd made a decision about whether you're coming to college in the fall. And I didn't have the guts to tell him, well, I've made my decision, but I don't have any money, you know? Yeah. And so I said, well, I'm still praying about it. And he said, well, when when you feel like the Lord clarifies that for you, I just wanted you to know that your registration is already paid for. So just send it in. <laughs> I mean, this is how it was. Yeah. Uh, I had maybe $1,000 that I took in my checkbook to college. But you know how many times I was on my knees, Eric. I've shared this many, many times. 
I was on my knees saying, Lord, you sent me here. I don't have the money to stay in. Third floor needs a payment. And uh, not less than five or six times, I went to my mailbox and received a notice that $500 has been deposited in your account, you know, for the next semester. It's taken care of. Wow. And I'm just saying, I've seen God do it over and over. And I'm going, when you trust him enough to settle the issue of ownership and make God, you know, God's, my job, God's will. Yeah. What I don't understand, God's bill. So I think for, for a lot of people, uh, two ways, one entrepreneurs, so entrepreneurs who have, who have stepped out in faith yeah. and, and done something that they think is, and honestly, even for someone who's not an entrepreneur, but who has stepped out into that, I've submitted my life yeah. because you can't, you can't really go after stewardship unless you've actually submitted your life yeah, to Christ. No like that, that's, it's just not the, the progression is, is maybe not quite there. So if someone listening to this hasn't actually made Jesus their yep. Lord and Savior, just it might be their Savior, and they would consider themselves a Christian. But yep. if they haven't made Jesus their Lord yet, there, there's just more to this whole discipleship journey. Yep. And so this idea of stewardship may be, may yep. be a bit much. And he's the owner of everything I have. I'm the manager of what he's given me. Yeah, You settle that. Yeah, and, and that's that is that's Lordship. That is what a steward, a steward yep. is. is. A steward is, is the manager of someone else's assets. Yep. So you know, people often use the phrase of time, talent, and treasure. Yep. So it's not just money. It can be yep. your time. It, it, he called you into yep. a life of preaching the gospel, which you you may have had other plans at that point, but he right. he called you into that. He's done the same thing with me and that. many, many right. people. He's directed their time as well. Right. But then, then so we are a steward of the time that God has blessed us with. We are a steward of the assets that he has, yes. that he's given us as well. That's all going back in the box at the end, right? You're not taking it with you. Right. Never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Thank you for that. So, so yeah, so if someone, someone's listening to this and maybe isn't quite there, just hear it. And I, I, I've encouraged you just to, to set it off on the side. Don't say no, just maybe say not yet. If so, if this is a little bit much for someone, but, but this is, this is where the, the Bible goes. And I think that that leads well into the next piece on this, the church as a whole, you know, the, the macro level church, I feel like struggles to go after some of the, the biggest things that Jesus focused on. And mm -hmm. And not to say that it was easy. I think we often overlook how difficult it may have been even for Jesus to go after some of these issues that he did. But, but you know, Jesus talked, you know, he, he preached love, but included everyone. It was, it was the big thing because he included Gentiles in, in his message on God. And so that was, that was a, a major, major disruption inside, inside the Jewish faith at that time. Right. He included everyone. He, he had dinner with the sinners, but yep. he spoke into their sin. Like he yep. spoke truth into them. So he wasn't just saying, Hey, go ahead and do whatever you want. So yep. it's, it's inclusive of everyone, but maybe not how we include today saying we, everyone's included and it doesn't matter what you, right. what you've done. And so you've got that side and that that's something that's very difficult for the church as a whole right now to, to go after healing. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus spent a ton of time healing the, the, yep. the scriptures are, or the, the gospels are full of, of, you know, stories of his healing of casting out demons and talking about money. And you made it, you, you, you rocked the boat a little bit by going after word and spirit mm -hmm. and taking, taking, you know, those things that Jesus talked about, especially healing and casting out demons and, and bringing that to the, to the stage, which isn't common. Um, and, and then, so, so I, I know that you can go after this too. Obviously on this, on this podcast, we're talking a lot about money. And so the church as a whole struggles with bringing those four things to light, um, but why is it so hard for pastors to talk about money today? Yeah, interesting. When you talk about Jesus, 
if you'd ask somebody, what is the topic that Jesus talked most about in the Bible? It's money. Was it love? Was right. it, you know, it was money. Over 2,000 scriptures. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a number of reasons for that. Um, <clears throat> we don't want to be accused, uh, particularly when it comes to, you know, there are plenty of televangelists who have been all about money. Mm-hmm. Hey, send in your prayers. I'll pray to God for you. But plant your seed in my ministry. So you see all this stuff that looks like scam artists. Right. So I think sometimes pastors get back down by that a little bit. If I talk about money, I'm going to be labeled one of them. Right. Uh, I think the I think the second side of that is that many many pastors are intimidated by successful businessmen, mm. and they know they need finances for the church to run, but they don't they they're not in that business world to know how to engage businessmen at that level. Right. So this is what John Maxwell always did. Some of you are probably familiar with John Maxwell and all the leadership training. But he said, you know what, pastors, what you have in terms of your understanding of the Lord and his will for your life and the discipleship that you could bring to business people, you have what they need and they have what you need. If we get the two of you together and quit being intimidated by those factors, it'd be good for everybody all around. Well, we're a uh, body and we all have the body of Christ has multiple parts and everyone. So I, I just, um, I just think it's difficult for pastors. Oh, or they'll be accused of playing favorites. You know, Jesus was all, or James said it, uh, you know, if you see a rich man come in and you give him a mm-hmm. seat down front and you tell the poor person this and that, you don't want to be accused of playing favorites because somebody has a little bit more money than other people. But I, I will say this, uh, Dallas Willard in his book, Celebration Discipline, has the best chapters on giving, stewardship that I have ever read. And he said, you know, if, if uh, giving is a good thing, then having is a good thing. And if giving more is a good thing, then having more is a good thing. And it was just this whole idea of, I think I was raised in an particularly my background spiritually was almost, I was almost made to feel that somebody who's wealthy can't be spiritual. Right. It's almost like it's better to be poor because if they have a new house, they must not be putting God first because, you know, I don't know why that was almost the subtle teaching that I was growing up with because we were from an Anabaptist, uh, this Mennonite Anabaptist background that was very, very simplistic and, uh, or simple the simple, the better, but it's almost like if you have something, it's worldly. Yeah. And so I had to overcome that as well and see that, no, 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 having money is a good thing, particularly if people, if the ownership belongs to the Lord and the people are doing with it what he wants them to do. And my church only goes forward as we have the the resources. I've always said that without a vision, the people perish. Without the resources, the vision perishes. Yeah. And so um, I had to learn, though, I had to learn how to speak to uh, business people and to be okay with just just if I saw somebody that, that let's say I, I meet an Eric and man, I recognize Eric has this incredible teaching gift. I wouldn't hesitate to come and ask you to put your teaching gift into play for the church or somebody has this incredible music gift. Yeah. I wouldn't have I wouldn't hesitate to to ask them to put their music gift into play for the church. Well, giving is a gift too, it absolutely is. but pastors don't recognize that. And they say, well, if I go ask that give the person with the money to put their gift into play for the church, then it looks like, you know, I'm favoring the, the, the person with the money. I go, no, you're not. You're only favoring them if you treat them differently. Right. 
you overlook their sin or you overlook something that needs to be confronted. Well, if I confront them, maybe they'll quit giving to the church. No, that's where the favoritism is coming in. It's no, what you're doing is you just understand that everybody has their gifts and God has given some in the body of Christ, the gift of having. So they can, they can be really out there in the terms of the gift of giving. What a cool thing. Right. And, and so that two points there. One, having is not like and obviously that that is that is the goal of so many is to to just to have the wealth you know the right. goal is money and, and right. that's a that's a problem in itself if, right. if the goal is money not to use money as right. a tool we're blessed to be a blessing is really the end right. and so it doesn't so, stop with me so if someone has the gift of having yeah and the and I think that comes right inside of this of the stewardship part yes because that is how someone's going to do it do it well and I hope that this podcast touches the lives of those who have that spiritual gift of giving because you first you have to have it and it has to yes. and it has to be this whole issue of ownership so yeah that. there you go if you have the gift of having then you got to sell the gift of ownership right yeah absolutely otherwise it won't work otherwise you. you're the owner and at the end of the day you're gonna stand before the lord what did you do with my money oh i didn't realize that was your money yeah <laughs> and you spent it on yourself yeah so i want to encourage those who who feel like they have that gift and if they've never taken a spiritual gift assessment to, to look at that and yeah. where are they strongest. And if they have this gift of, of, of wealth, they have the gift of business acumen. Somebody said they're afflicted with, uh, uh yeah, afflicted with affluence. The, 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 <laughs> well, and, and anyone who uh, is on the lacking side of that would, would say that makes no sense. But once someone has acquired the wealth, yes. you know, and part of this, you know, the, the teaching on this podcast is meant to go after that because it is a burden. And the majority yeah. of people who have a trust, you know, who have a, who are the beneficiaries of trust, trust view it as a burden. Yeah. Um, when you have everyone coming out to you with their hand out, it, it changes, yes. you know, you wonder what relationships are genuine. And so there is, there yes. is absolutely a burden that comes with affluence. Right. Um, but the, there is freedom from it too, when it's, when it's positioned correctly. And when you understand that you actually have that this is a gift that God has given you to have so you can give and he can, yes. he can funnel money through you. Uh, once you figure that out, it, it can be a tremendous blessing, but you then have to step out in it. And yes. so to kind of, to your point or, or the, the underlying theme behind this is if someone's listening to this, who is, is a, you know, of a, a man or woman of affluence who, who understands, you know, business well and understands how to acquire more wealth or, or how to steward it well, they should probably make it easier on their pastor to step out, understanding just the challenge that that their pastors may have in in approaching them about that. And if they have that gift, then they might, you know, I guess I would encourage you to to go ahead and, and help break the ice for your pastor to, yep. to step forward there. Because, it, you know, to what Cal's saying here, that's a, that's a challenge. Absolutely. Yep. So so when you get into the the prosperity gospel, where do you see, because there, there is good teaching inside of it. There's good teaching on, you know, on the fundamentals of, of money, but there's a, there's a point where it crosses a line and it, it gets yes. distorted. Can you, can you yes. hit on that for someone who isn't deeply entrenched in, in when yeah. someone says prosperity gospel, that way they don't hear a preacher talk about money and all of a sudden yeah. assume that's prosperity. Like it's God's will for you to be rich. Yes. Well, I believe it's God's will for you to be rich, but the way he defines rich is different than maybe the way we define rich. He wants to be rich in every way, yeah. body, soul, spirit. But I, I actually think the Bible teaches more of what I call a sufficiency gospel. And uh, one of my, my key verses financially is found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, and I believe it's verse 8. 
and it said, or eight, verse nine, mm-hmm. that God is able, and it, it's the allness verse because it has all like four times. God is make, able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, whether I need a car, a washer, dryer, whatever it might be, all things at all times, having all that you need, mm-hmm. you will abound in every, it's another all, yeah. Good works, and it says. Then it says he uh, takes an Old Testament verse. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The context of that is God wants you to have enough, so that not only are all of your needs met all the time, but that you have plenty to distribute to others, so that the legacy of your life becomes not not because you're out there trying to hey look what I did. But people at your funeral are going, you have no idea how this person helped me. Yeah. He scattered or brought his gifts to the poor. Why? Because he had enough for himself and he had enough for others. And then it goes on in Second Corinthians 9 to say, now he who supplies seed to the sower will also supply and increase your store of seed. I'm, just, I'm going to supply. But you take that one or those two seeds and you're afraid to give them to God. He puts them in the ground. Listen. Uh, what does one seed produce? It produces an ear of corn that's going to give you about 600, you know, I forget, 600 and some seeds, yep. right? Yep. Now, all of a sudden, this is why he's not only going to supply your seed, but he's going to increase your store of seed. You will be generous on every, uh, or he will supply you with all you need so that you can be generous on every occasion. And then your generosity will overflow in thanksgiving to God. How does it do that? Here's how it happens. Susan and I keep a little, uh, you know, we, we not only tithe out beyond our 10%, you know, we've always tried to make that 15%, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Then we keep another category called just to give, which is gifts that come to us, anything that comes. The first thing is we just take a portion of that right off the top. And we keep in that fund is just always there. Yeah. So we knew this one gal was struggling just recently, having to retake a couple of tests and every other test was costing like 300 bucks. And the Lord just put her on our heart. Let's take care of the next one, you know, or help her with the next yeah. one. I, I can't tell you the gratitude that came from her, but this is what it said. You, you're generous on every occasion, and that generosity results in thanksgiving to God. For whom? The recipient is lifting your name up before the Father saying, God, thank you for what Eric just did for us. Would you bless him? Thank you that he was so generous to help us. You right. see what I'm saying? Right. And so it's like name recognition before God because the people you're helping are lifting you up and saying, man, thank you that they get it and for how they blessed us and this type of thing. Yeah. So I'm going, that's the kind of name recognition I want. <laughs> and not because I went out here to try and make a name for myself, but because behind the scenes, I was simply honoring God with what he gave me. Right. He's the owner. He said, hey, help that person. I helped that person. And they're going, God, thank you that they helped me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's At the end of the day, that's how our gifts follow us. Our legacy is, holy cow, they just they just helped us so mm-hmm. much. Yes. All right. <laughs> so where, where does the prosperity gospel get? So where does the bad name from it come? And where where is the where well, where is the where does it cross the line into? I think I think it crosses the line when we define prosperity only as wealth. Okay. That somehow I'm supposed to be unusually rich. That it's always about my billfold being full. And I'm going, uh, 
not everybody is going to, who, who gives their life to Jesus, you know, the, the gospel has to, has to live in every culture. I can't go into one of the most desperate places in the Dominican Republic and tell them, if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to get rich. Right. No, the richness is going to be not only the spiritual riches that he's going to pour out on you. I do believe that, that let's say if more and more people come to Christ in that culture, it will probably lift them out of poverty because they start living by his values. They start working hard, you know, rather than laziness. They, they start in, in investing, they start giving. Pretty, you're, lift, you're, you're lifting up the whole culture. Right. But to say that everybody's going to be able to have that, you know, million dollar home on the lake or whatever, that's, that's the misnomer. Yeah. Some people, they have that wealth, okay? But that is not, the prosperity gospel is almost like it's, it's if, if, you, uh, if, if you make Jesus your Savior, you're going to get rich uh, monetarily. Yes. No, I'm gonna, I say he's going to make sure that you have enough. Mm-hmm. to not only take care of your needs, but to be generous with others. Now, again, Jesus said that widow with the two mites right. gave more than everybody else. Why? Because she put in everything she had. That was all she had. Yeah. He also, how, how were Jesus' needs met when he was here? He had wealthy women that followed him and out of their wealth supplied his earthly ministry. Wasn't everybody doing that? Right. There were several that, had that. So it's kind of like according to some, some received 10 or some received five talents, some received two talents, some received one talent. Yeah. And it's the same way financially. Not all of us are five talent people. I think the prosperity gospel seems to imply that everybody should have those five talents. That's, that's a great point. Okay. All right. Let's switch over into um, into the tithe. So the tithe is something that for someone who has been maybe on the on the outside of Christianity looking in or or maybe newer to it that all of a sudden someone says, Hey, you need a tithe. Now that you're a Christian, you need a tithe and you need to give ten percent of your of your money away and it you know, well it gets into this. Well, are you talking gross or are you talking net? Yeah. Are you, where does this come from and, and what, and what's the point behind this and how are my needs being met? And we, we kind of covered the whole idea of, you know, of, of the stewardship piece of this, that it is, I'm giving God first. And I, you know, I love the, the analogy of the, you know, the tithe is not to supply God because he's broken. He needs, he needs help. The tithe is so that way you, you put your trust in him with money, but can you go into the, the tithe? And obviously we've got this whole thing of, you know, the tithe was started, you know, with Abram 400 years before the law. And now, you know, we have the idea that, you know, Malachi called it out that, you know, you're cursed with the curse if you don't, if you don't give, if you rob God, um, Jesus fulfilled the law and broke the curse. So where do we stand today as Christians? How does someone, how does someone approach the tithe and how, where does it start with the, you know, from, from the, the yeah. law version of this to, Great question. to get into the heart and, and how does someone approach that? Yeah, because God, God loves a cheerful giver, first of all. Right. So, um, uh, the tithe for me. I, I look at it that if God's the owner, then a hundred percent of what I have is his. Mm-hmm. The tithe in my mind today is simply a, what I would say, training wheels and giving mm. Okay. to train you in generosity. I don't use it as a law, but I go, 
if under grace, where God has said, uh, you no longer are, are under the law, grace, I, I ask the question, does grace require more or less than the poorest person in Israel under the law? Somebody once said, if you ask somebody to be your, uh, your, your babysitter, and she just comes, watches the kids, watches TV, whatever, does nothing more than what you ask her, and you contracted with, with her, hey, it'll be 50 bucks for the, the hours that you're here. And she kept the law. She got her $50. Mm-hmm. If you come home and she swept the floor, she cleaned the windows, she did the wash, she took care of the dishes, she just, out of grace, gave more than was required. Would you give her more or would you give her less than what your law said? Right. So this is what Jesus has done for us. So 100% belongs to him. I just go, I don't, I don't think he condemns somebody for not tithing. All I can tell you is if the law, if, if the tithe was the law in Old Testament Israel, does grace require more or less? I just ask that question. Yeah. I go, I think under grace, I'm going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? If the tithe was the law, I go, that's the training wheels. What does it look to take the training wheels off? Because I want to be generous. I want my heart just to be generous. And you cannot tell me today that when we look at the giving among evangelical Christians, I'm just saying the ones that really believe the Bible, yeah. and that the average giving is 3%, I do not believe that's the response to grace that Jesus is looking for. So I believe the tithe is helpful in saying, guys, start with the training wheels. I can't, I'll tell you this, when somebody's heart surrendered to Christ and they've settled the issue of ownership, I, to this day, have never found an unhappy tither. Yeah, I have never found a story from a tither who says, I can't believe that I gave that to God. I should have just kept it for myself. I repeatedly find I live better on 90% or 85% than I ever did when I was living on 100% and keeping it all for myself. Absolutely. So I tell people, you don't believe me? Try it. <laughs> Try it. And you will see that God keeps his promises. So here's the way I use the tithe today, not as law but as one of the signs that I truly understand that God owns it all. It's, it's, a it's my sign of ownership. Yeah, it's the beginning of stewardship. It's there. the beginning. Right. Okay. Because we know that it's more blessed to give than receive. We've heard yeah. about it from, from, you know, as children, but, but it's tough to put that into practice. And when you, especially if you haven't been tithing from the beginning, it's tough to all of a sudden, because, yep. you know, Everyone needs a little bit more. Everyone just needs about two times what they have, and then they'd be good. I, I would say I would say to parents here too, and Eric, you know this, just having had a little one. Congratulations! <laughs> I, I tell a man it was what almost almost ten pounds and twenty two and a half inches. I said, skip the baby stage and went right to toddler. So <laughs> yeah. way to go, my wife, hockey player, ready to go. But I go, you know the, and that's your heart and your wife's heart is to instill in your kids heart for the kingdom of God and nothing, I, I'm just telling you, there's nothing more tangible than what we do with our money that instills that. Yeah. And so how, did, of all the things that my, we didn't talk, we went to church. I always say I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open when I was a kid, but I'm going, my dad preached a silent message every Sunday. I still see him sitting at the desk before we went to church. 10 kids, not a, I would say probably not enough 
Yeah. Always wondering how we're going to get through the next. And he sat down and wrote out a tithe check every Sunday. Hmm. And I watched that. And I go, where did I get the idea when I started mowing lawns? And when I started, we had a sweet corn patch that most of the farm gang came, came out and, hey, have your kids pick us some sweet corn. We'll pay them, you know, this and that. And then I started when I was 12 or 13 helping dad on the farm. It never dawned on me that that first 10% that just belonged to God. It, you know, when we talk about the tithe, we talk, God always talked about not giving it. It's returning it. Why? Because he owns it. Yeah. Well, he owns it all. But he would say, return the tithe. If I borrowed, if I borrowed your, your uh, lawnmower and I bring it back, would I say, well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the lawnmower back. I'm giving you a no, lawnmower. no, I'm returning you the lawnmower because it belongs to you. Yeah. So that was the whole idea of the tithe of just returning to God. He's just saying, do you, do you recognize that I own it all? And one of the ways, one of the more, most tangible ways that you let God know that he owns it all is just return the tithe. Just return the tithe. And I, I say to people, if there's ever a man in my life that could have justified not doing that, it was my dad. Say father of 10. Right. But I'm telling you, I'm grateful because the education I first got in giving was watching my dad. I asked him one day, Dad, when you were at that desk writing out that check, were you tithing? He said, oh, yeah. And then he'd come around and he'd hand us each a quarter or whatever before we were ever making money. So we had something to give. Yeah. I just, wow. And I go to moms and dads. I don't know why you wouldn't want that legacy with your children. Yeah. That they are generous in what really matters. And they got it from you. Right. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Um, last piece before we wrap this one up. Either the rich fool or the rich young ruler. Take one of those and just give a, a little closing statement to people who are um, maybe hearing this being brought to them about the intersection of money and, and their spirituality for the, for the first time or having this, having this come in a way that's maybe not as, as offensive as, as it sometimes can be yeah. uh, broadcast. So pick one of those I, and just give them a closing message on that. Well, I would just say both of those represent people in the Bible who, when asked to give it up, couldn't. Yeah. Because they were wealthy. And I would say to you, Jesus taught that money is not neutral. Now that usually, you know, that kind of messes with people's minds. Oh yeah, it's just a piece of paper. I go, if I put a piece of paper and a $100 bill on your desk, I know where your heart's going to go if you have the opportunity to pick up either of those. Sure. And Jesus, why he called money mammon, is he was telling mammon referred to the spirit behind money that is seeking your loyalty. Hmm. Okay. And so in both of those cases, these people were bound by mammon. Their hearts, money is not neutral. There's a spirit behind it that is seeking your loyalty, competing with God. That's why Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other. He'll serve the one and not serve the other. You cannot serve God in money. Yeah. 
And it's interesting. And it, you cannot serve God and mammon. The whole idea is the only way you tame mammon is to make God the owner. Okay. You can serve God or you can serve money. You cannot serve God and money. However, you can serve God with your money. Right. I think so many, so many of us fall victim to the idea when we talk about we can't have, you know, we're not supposed to have idols. That because we don't bow down, I, I used this reference before, because we don't bow down to a, a wooden, you know, carving of a, of a cow or something else like that yep. in our living room, that we think that we've got that one taken right. care of. You know, we can check that off the list. I don't have right. any other idols. But if you look at what someone did to an idol and what the definition behind that would be and, and line money up, you know, our character, our characteristics toward money, it, it absolutely looks it like promises that. you everything that God promises. Yeah. If I have enough money, I'll be secure. It'll make me happy. It'll take, right. I'll have and it, it makes, I want to work on all it makes on all, all of those promises, but it cannot take you beyond the grave. Yeah. Only one can. And I'm saying that the only way that you can operate free of mammon, I'm, I'm stepping on the head of mammon every Sunday mm. <laughs> when I give generously to the kingdom of God. Yeah. It keeps him in his place. Yeah. You will not be first in my life. Oh, I'm going to serve God with my money. I love that. All right. Let's. Let's close this episode on that. Thank you so much. I, I Thank hope, you, buddy. I hope that, uh, you know, anyone listening to this, I hope that that inspires you to just pray into that, pray into that and see where where the Holy Spirit takes you there and, and whether you've been giving your whole life and this this is a renewal of, of leaning into what the Holy Spirit's doing or if or if this is brand new to you, just ask the Holy Spirit to to direct you there mm-hmm. and, and you're going to get an answer on that and, and just follow. You have to follow. You have to do where, yeah. go where he's leading you to. Yep. All right. Cal Rickner, thank you very much, thank sir. Thank you, buddy. Um, for for the rest of you, we will be, uh, Cal is going to be doing another episode here next week as we are going over succession planning. Cal had an incredible uh, succession that he has recently done here. And so uh, it, it applies to the church, but this applies to every business, especially family-owned businesses as well. Um, so we're going to go over that next week. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.